0: Welcome to Uncontained, episode 44. I'm your host, Aaron static Render, and on this show today, I talk to the one and only goth comic out of Las Vegas, Nevada. It is Dark Mark, yes. We talk about uh, his set performing some crazy, crazy conventions, including a vampire convention where the people truly did believe that they were vampires and wouldn't uh, step foot out in the sunlight, but for some strange reason they ended up having garlic-flavored condoms. Yes, weird on any level, but don't you think that would hurt a vampire? I don't know. We talk about stuff like that along with other experiences he's had and some great advice that he received from DMC, from Run DMC. So please tune in and join the conversation with Dark mark right here on uncontained
1: mark how are you doing today and welcome
2: to uncontained oh thank you i'm doing great i know that's uh that sounds weird coming from the, the, the goth comedian but uh, yeah
1: <laughs> yeah you should be like i'm trapped in a world of darkness especially with uh you know this election coming up
2: <laughs> well, don't get me started but uh yeah I, uh it's uh yeah things are gonna get gothier before they uh before they get better yeah,
1: yeah. So so you've been billed as the extreme being. How did uh you come across that uh nickname, Mark?
2: Well actually I, I had a it was a former manager that gave me that nickname. This is before I did the Goth thing. I've okay. been doing comedy for a while. Uh and he he billed me as the extreme being and uh I fine, whatever. Uh, I, I I'm not sure honestly how he came up with that, but I, I was uh you know, I, you must have you must have read some really old stuff on me. I just read your bio on your website. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah. He, well, he called me an extreme being. I guess my comedy is a bit extreme, although it's you know, it. it I'm not sure. I, I you know I have a weird, you know now that I'm you know I've got makeup. I have a weird look. Uh, it's probably more extreme than it was back then. But uh, I'm not a you know I'm not somebody that. Um, shocks for shock's sake. I talk about my life and I talk about crazy stuff in my life and I embrace the dark side. And uh, I guess that's extreme.
1: Yeah, I listen to your stand up and it's not like what you would necessarily expect with a goth comedian uh, or somebody yes. billed as the goth comedian. You'd expect, you know, like goth music, a little bit darker, like uh, life kind of sucks type thing. Right, and right. even though I, I love I love like Manson and shit like that so don't get me wrong I'm not knocking not not like knocking goth but uh you are a lot more up tempo you uh have some quick one-liners along with uh some good setups as well um I guess I kind of don't have a question there but it's just an observation and, um, how did you get into the goth look? You mentioned you didn't have all the makeup on before. how did you become the goth comedian?
2: Well, I was, I was doing comedy for a while. And, um, I, what, what happened was my, uh, my ex-girlfriend who happened to be a witch, uh, she, <laughs> <clears throat> are you she literal was, or
1: figurative, figurative
2: there? Well, she, she was a wicked okay. uh, and she, uh, when we used to go out to the golf club, she used to put makeup on. And, uh, you know, I, when I would, before this on stage, I would, you know, usually wear a blazer or something. I, I, I you know, it depends on you know the show. If I'm going to an open mic, I'm not going to put the whole, all the makeup on much to people's disappointment when they first see me. Sometimes I'm at a, you know, show, I'm not getting paid or, or, you know, just working stuff out on a mic and I'm not going to put makeup on for that. But if you're yeah, paying yeah. me, if it's a real show, uh, you're gonna get the whole package, but she, what happened was I, I you know, I would, I would, you know, she, she'd start dyeing my hair. Uh, my natural hair color is like a light brown, and she started dyeing my hair black, and she started putting makeup on when I would go to the clubs, and I was like, well, wait a second, nobody's got, nobody's got to look like this. No comedian looks like this. I was already <laughs> doing stuff about the goth community, the S M and M community, and all of that. I said, well, why not just uh, put makeup on and call myself the goth comedian? And I, I did that. And then, I, and then uh, subsequently, uh, I found out that uh, Voltaire, who was a musician, was calling himself the goth comedian. He's probably more of what people would expect, although his is more of a, it's a musical act. Okay, uh, he sings uh, goth parody songs. And I performed with him at, in Buffalo at the World Goth Convention, the Convergence Festival, in 2012. And I met him before. <clears throat> Our acts are completely different, uh, but we we were bonding about uh, goth hecklers. Goths are big hecklers. Are they? But, yeah, they can be. Yeah, and uh, we, we start we started talking about how we handle handle hecklers. And, and also, there's another comedian in England, Bethany Black, who is a goth comedian. She's actually a, 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 a transsexual, and she's very funny. And she, um, I got to know about that and. There's another comedian in Los Angeles that I, I got to know uh, Virginia Jones, who was very funny and she she definitely has a goth sensibility as well. So uh, I come to find out I'm not the only one, but I'm the only one with, with my particular story. And okay. to me that's that's what, uh, what comedy is all about is telling your specific story and really getting that out there. I, uh, I love the comics that I love always come from a really personal place. And my personal place is a little darker and a little weirder than most.
1: Okay. All right. Cool, man. Makes for some interesting material. As I said, I was listening to your uh, stand-up over the week preparing for the show. And uh, you talk about performing at all sorts of interesting like conventions. Like you said, you went to a vampire convention once.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I hosted a vampire convention.
1: You hosted it. All yeah. right. How how was that? That had to be interesting. That was
2: so much fun. Um, but people were really—I mean, they were really into it. They really thought they were vampires, and uh, that was—it was a weird situation. Because I, you know, after the show, I was, ta- I was talking to this girl. She didn't want to take a picture because she doesn't show up on film. Apparently, <laughs> uh, I was talking to this girl. She was very, very attractive in a Patricia Arquette sort of way. Yeah. Meaning she had really bad teeth, but she would, she was trying to convince me that those were fangs. She's like, see that? See, see how my teeth tooth is crooked. That's a fang. I'm like, no, you just, you just don't have a dental plan. That's not a, that's not a fang. You know, these people were really into it and, uh, but it was fun. Uh, and I've done horror conventions. I did a, uh, horror convention a couple of years ago, the dead flesh feast. These are the gigs I get. And, uh, it's it was an independent it was an independent horror festival, so they didn't have Freddie or Jason or any big names. The biggest name they had was Corey Feldman, which is probably the most frightening thing of them all. But because and he was, yeah, yeah, and he came in like a diva. Well, I mean, obviously, he's getting a lot of traction now because he was on the Today Show singing. But uh, he came in, he had a white suit on. He's he had like total star treatment, like. Uh, I don't. I. I don't think. And like, I was trying to say hi to him, but it, like, they, he had this all these bodyguards around him. So, I. I just introduced him and and uh, and left. But uh, I know a lot of people that actually know him too. They. They. Uh, they, they party at the Feld Mansion a lot, but I've never <laughs> actually talked to the guy. But I hear he's pretty cool. Um. So yeah. So I. I, I do horror conventions. I do. I do vampire conventions. But yeah, the, the people really like. For some reason, conventions are like the big thing now, like comic book conventions. I was just at uh, Los Angeles Comic Con, so it used to be just a bunch of guys, you know, uh, a bunch of old salesmen just sitting around getting drunk in a bar. Now conventions are like are like the cool thing now.
1: Yeah, do you find the audiences are better at the conventions than in the standard comedy clubs, or in a are, way, are they too a- hard to
2: compare? it's 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 a weird it, it, it's I don't know if I could really compare them because um, a lot of the conventions they don't know that comedy's coming up so you have to win them over a little bit at the beginning because they don't know like what you're doing but I, I've always yeah. had a, I've always had a good experience at, at conventions, although I, there were a couple goth conventions like I was telling you As a matter of fact Buffalo was one of them when I was at the convergence festival. Every time I've done a quote unquote goth convention, I've gotten heckled. Really? Which uh, doesn't bother me. I can handle a heckler. But uh, matter of fact, in Buffalo, I uh, uh, was—I don't know what what it was—but this woman just kept insisting that I take off my shoes for some reason, and (laughs) that turned into a whole like uh, back and forth, and uh, it was really weird. But uh, there's so much fun. I mean. What's good about those uh, about uh, doing conventions is you're usually the one comic, so the, and there being there's a lot of other entertainment. Yeah. So, so the, it's uh, it's not like uh, you know the a lot of shows where you're the 17th out of 20 comics, and uh, and you really have to get the crowd back into what they're what they're doing. I mean, is you just you just part of the you know there's there's a band there's DJs and then you do your thing. It's uh you know it's it's a different skill set.
1: I've always found when mixing uh, stand up comedy or and music or other forms of entertainment, it helps like to advertise it and let people know that there's going to be comics along with bands and stuff because they come then knowing what to expect. I put on a couple of shows when I was working for a radio station back home. The first one, I didn't let people know. And then the band was on, they knew what to do. Then a stand-up comic comes on the stage and they're like, uh,
2: what am I supposed to do here? Right. It, 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 it's a difference. You really have to be very aggressive at the start, in my opinion. You can't, in a comedy club, uh, you can let the crowd come to you when you're in a big festival situation or a big, uh, convention situation, you really have to hit them with a lot of jokes up front just so they know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, are you ready to rock sort of stuff, but you sort of have to be, you have to be a little, a little more histrionic in that, in that situation and, you know, you you figure it out. Um, but as far as heckling, that's never, I'll tell you why that's never been a problem for me is that, uh, when I first started doing comedy, um, it was in San Diego. Yeah.
1: And
2: I started doing comedy at black clubs because I, the, in San Diego at that time, the comedy store was the big club and I was new and it took me a while to get in. And I was looking for other gigs and, uh, I, I befriended a couple of comics. like, well, why don't you come down to, you know, uh, uh, these, these bars. And, uh, it was, uh, you have to you have to really know, you learn how to handle a heckler really quick. You have to. Um, the first time I did a a black club, I was the only white person in the club except for the bartender, <laughs> and this I, I had been doing comedy maybe two, three months at that time, maybe a little longer, maybe four months, but uh, it was uh, you know it was a little daunting, and I went yeah. up and I for five minutes. I, I destroyed the place. Unfortunately, I was supposed to do a seven-minute set. About the five-minute mark, I, I told a joke that did not go over. Then the booing started. And then people started yelling at me. And then it uh, degenerated to uh, th- uh, throwing paper cups at me. And then the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the host took me off stage. And but I learned from that. I came back the next week and, and I just I just leveled the place. And then I became a regular at that particular club. It was uh, four local comics, and they had a lot of big names would come in, and uh, uh, comics and bands. So, but they would, it was always the four of us would start the show off, and then they would have like you know Cedric the Entertainer, or a real big name, like come down. Okay. Uh, even uh, I, it was uh, it was funny. Uh, Shaka Khan. Perform one night, like it, I mean, it, it was it, it was a very interesting. But they usually would would uh, have a lot of LA big LA comics come down, um, and then um, and, but we but the four of us would open the show, and then they would come down. That we did, I did that for about a year, and um, you really you really learn how to how to handle heckler. The 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 negative of that though is when I went back to the white clubs. I was too aggressive. I had to I had to learn how to tone it back a little bit.
1: Okay. So yeah, from what I've what I've seen with like mainly black audience, they're a lot more honest with you. You know, really? if they're liking it, they're liking it. If they're hating it, well, you get paper cups thrown at you and luckily they were only paper. <laughs>
2: well, you know, I, uh, I I would say I would say the white uh, white audiences or mixed audiences are, are honest with you as well, but they're not as vocal about it. If you're not funny in a black club, you're going to hear it. You're they're going to start booing and they're going to start yelling at you. In a white club, normally, uh, you're going to get silence if, it, if you're not if you're not doing well. And silence to me is worse than if somebody's yelling at you or booing you. You can work with that. It's hard to work with the silence.
1: Yeah, because there's no reaction to feed off of there. Correct. That's correct, so and at least I, you know we, with booze, you have to change something,
2: <laughs> yeah the funniest the funniest thing I, one of the funniest thing I've ever seen and, and I encourage anybody to watch this on YouTube, but uh back in the nineties, like the early nineties, and i this was like literally right after the l a riots, Don Rickles was on comic relief, yeah, and check it out on youtube. It's hilarious because he starts doing racial jokes and that's which is don rickle's act he's been doing he's been doing the same act for 50 years yeah the black guy does this the black guy does it and he starts telling black jokes and then they start booing him and he just points to his crowd and says boo this and It's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life <laughs> it kills me but uh yeah and um but so i i think that i think crowds are always honest and and uh but uh, it, you know, to me, uh, when somebody when somebody boos me, that's uh, that's how I can work. with. if there's just silence in the room, and you know, you got to really uh, get them back to paying attention. If they're just sitting there, you're really doing something wrong, and that's an honest reaction. But and um, the weirdest gig I ever did because I started doing like all these um, all these black rooms. The weirdest one was I uh, I actually there was a a, a show that got canceled. It was at the Red Lion Hotel in San Diego, and they, they, um, wrote a letter to the Red Lion and said that I was prejudiced against white people. Really? And, uh, if people don't know, I know this is audio, I am Caucasian, so. (laughs) That was an interesting thing. Uh, they had a, um, there was a guy in the front row, and it was a, you know, it was like, you know, it was a, uh. It was a, a you know a black comedy show, a Def Jam sort of show, deaf Comedy Jam. I guess they sort of uh, build it as sort of. So the crowd was, you know, eighty percent black, uh, and there were there was a, a table of three white people in the front row, and I walked in, and the, the comic that I walked in on, the guy was yelling at him, and uh, the the guy in the front row was, just kept heckling him and wouldn't wouldn't stop, and the comic would give it back to him. he kept trying to get back to his act. Wasn't working. The next comic uh, really was a little more aggressive with him, but still wouldn't shut him up. I went up and I just I told the guy I said I said I said you better stop talking right now. I warned him like three times, like stop talking. I'm like I'm um, and I it, 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 the two people at his table, I guess his sister and another guy, were shushing him. I said you better shut him up because you don't want to know what's going to happen if he keeps talking. <laughs> and he kept talking, and I. Just destroyed the guy and leveled him to the point that they left and he was practically crying. And he wrote a letter to the Red and said it was a racially, it was a racially insensitive environment that he felt under siege. And the last guy who uh, and I went on the stage because was a black crowd, I'm like yeah, honky in the house. It's like the last guy who called himself honky in the house was the worst, and so it was it was it was weird. Really. Yeah, yeah, I've I've had some interesting interesting things happen with hecklers. I had two fights break out during my set. Have you ever had a fight break out during your set? Uh,
1: I have not had a fight break out during a set that I've done. I haven't been on stage for a while, but uh, maybe there'll be a goal when I get back on stage.
2: Well, it's not a goal. It's not. I mean, it's <laughs> something that you want to happen. You you ideally want to go out, get laughs, and then and then that's it. And honestly, most hecklers they want the attention and. If you if you slam a heckler and do it right, they'll shut up right away. And then after the show, they'll usually hug you or whatever. And uh, I've had a lot of people that I just uh, I just said the most vile things about. Afterwards, like, just start laughing like you're the greatest, you're so funny, and blah 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 blah. But I did a uh, uh, another uh, show. Uh, it was a, another uh, where I was the only white comic. And for some reason, the promoter had it at a white biker bar. So it's a black comedy show at a white biker bar.
1: That is an interesting combination.
2: Right. So you had all these uh, well-dressed black people and and you had like the regular bikers. And during my set, what what was happening was the bikers were talking and uh, and everybody else was enjoying my set so much. They were telling them to shut up. There was a fight between a biker and, and another guy. I kicked out the biker, and then uh, everything calmed down, and then took a couple minutes, but I got everything going again. Another 10 minutes, everybody's laughing, and then I hear in the crowd, shut up, shut up, and then boom, another fight, and uh, it just, that, that's too bad, but I've had, I've had fistfights, uh, I've never had somebody actually, you know, get physical with me, but I've had fistfights break out during my set three or four times, and it's not ideal but people get drunk that's what that's what happens sometimes yes yes
1: alcohol is definitely uh, a variable to throw into an audience which can be fun or you know can turn yeah. out like that but right. uh, so you've done a lot of work on the road a lot of uh a lot of like a lot of events, a lot of regular uh, comedy venue shows. Uh, you have something else going on right now. It's called Viva Goth Vegas
2: Viva goth vegas yes it's uh it's my YouTube vlog. I, I go around Las Vegas to odd and unusual events, or sometimes you know if I'm on the road in l a or Utah or something, i'll I'll post from there. Just a little ten minute uh, little uh videos. I was doing my uh my my podcast, The Dark Mark Show, and I did that for three years. And I missed, I missed this. I missed interacting with people and interviewing people and getting to know people. And I was, you know, I was watching YouTube and uh, I felt that this is another, this is another Avenue. And instead of uh, talking to somebody for now, which is, which is what we're doing and what I used to do, you know, I would kind of, you know, edit and and do these little vignettes and go around because there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff in Las Vegas that a lot of people don't know about. And, uh, the most recent one, I, I actually went, went to a Hillary Clinton rally, which really was a, an excuse for a Steve Aoki DJ set. <laughs> I was at UNLV and Steve Aoki was, uh, he, he put on a free show in support of Hillary Clinton. And, uh, honestly, maybe half the people were there to show support for Clinton and, and half the people were there for, for the rave. Bill Clinton was there and, uh. I got to interview some people and uh, and got to uh, ch- check it out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, last week I was at I was in L.A. and I went to the L.A. Comic Con, Stanley's L.A. Comic Con. So I got to and I got to interview uh, DMC from Run DMC and uh, oh, that's cool. Tommy Wasal from The Room and all sorts of people in in costumes and uh, and then the week before that I went to the Gay Rodeo here in, in Las Vegas. A Gay Rodeo. Yes, yes, the gay Ronnie. That just sounds like it's full of jokes. It is. And <laughs> it, it is, but uh, you know, honestly they uh, they do take it seriously. Um and uh it it was it was it was a lot of fun. I got to meet some uh, some interesting uh I asked uh, I asked a, a guy uh, what's the uh what's the biggest thing he's ever roped and he's like, Well, a six foot four Irish guy. So you know. <laughs> Uh, Are there
1: actually, like, bulls and horses at this rodeo?
2: Or? No, no, it's, yeah, it, they have all the events that they ha- would have at any regular rodeo, but they also have other events, like, you know, Best Drag Queen. They have an event where they put tidy whities on a sheep. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's a little different kind of a rodeo. <laughs>
1: Is a rodeo clown a uh, drag queen?
2: I th- yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was going to uh, say,
1: if it wasn't, there'd be something wrong with that
2: rodeo. Run- Right, uh, so I, the rodeo clowns are very, very fierce and very, very, uh, very cute. But yeah, they uh, they had a lot of a lot of tight wranglers and a lot of uh, a lot of drag queens. Now, uh, you know, it's it, it makes sense though. I mean, it, it really is. And I talked to somebody about this. It, it really is a gay ar- uh, archetype. You know, you, you, from the village people to Brokeback Mountain. I mean, the cowboy as every manly thing there is also is a is a gay stereotype is a gay archetype
1: very true i guess it, i never really thought of that
2: right cuz i i remember you know uh, i remember being shocked when uh i know a lot of people were shocked when like the guy from Judas priest turned out to be gay and in retrospect yeah. wait a second you know he's he's all in leather and all that but you know that's that's a gay archetype too but it's very like very much the gay archetype you know
1: I actually used to do a bit on that when I was on stage. It was like talking about how, you know, you hear one song and start thinking that it's about something. Then something comes out, like some news comes out that changes the whole connotation of the song. Sure. And I kind of I kind of picture like a Southern person, like a redneck finding out uh, what Turbo Lover is about. You know, like, what Rob Halford's gay? No way, man. That song's about dudes uh, doing dudes. I feel it. Uh, Oh,
2: man, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like, man, that's some bad stuff right there, man. No, no
2: I, I I, um, I went out with uh, with a girl uh, a couple of years ago, she was 22, and you know, so she she and she was not into metal at all. And I we were we were watching YouTube one day, and I put up Judas Priest from from Live Aid, and she's like, You're telling me nobody knew this guy was gay? I'm like, I'm telling you, they nobody had. To, <laughs> Until he came out, nobody had any idea. Yeah, it's like twenty twenty
1: hindsight though. You look back at it and you're like, how couldn't you? But... Yeah, it's the, the gayest thing I've ever. Seen.
2: <laughs> but, you know, and um, but then again, I wear makeup on stage and and in my private life. So, but you know, if you had a face like mine, you probably would too. <laughs> but and, it, and it's uh, and, and and as you know, once again, we're on audio, but as you've seen. It, I don't look androgynous at all, no matter how much makeup I have.
1: No, no, you can definitely tell that you're
2: a dude, right? <laughs> so it's, I, you know, like I say in my act, I look like a you know a truck driver that took the wrong her- turn in West Hollywood and got raped by drag queens. <laughs> Which, oddly enough, is, is the only rape joke I have.
1: Um, well, too many rape jokes can just I be thought, hacky, but you have to have one. You, you do have to have one,
2: right? It's weird because my act is about my life and, you know, I don't rape and I don't, uh, I don't even think about that. So I didn't, uh, but I guess the, you know, it's I a commend you on that crazy millennials and their rape jokes. I, I, I guess you have to have one now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You couldn't be a millennial comic without it. You are the goth comedian as yeah. we've established already. Are you into goth music or what kind of music do you
2: listen to? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, my musical evolution's gotten. You know, I, I've you know, I've had I've had my stages, my metal stage, my punk stage, my rap stage, my techno stage. But it's just um, I love goth, and and uh, you know, when I say goth, I love goth and industrial music, and you know, and they're for some reason they're completely different. But if you go to a goth club, you'll hear both of them. Uh, when I say goth, I mean like early '80s death rocks, sort of the Cure. Joy Division, Bauhaus, Susie the Banshees, that type of thing. That's the real goth.
1: Are you into like the Marilyn Manson type goth too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's more, that's more metal. That's kind of on the industrial. It, it is metal goth, uh, but it's still kind of considered gothic, along yeah, with like typo negative.
2: Love typo negative. The, the they weird, were one of my favorites. I love typo negative. Uh, uh, my I I remember getting into them. My roommate had uh, had their CDs. I remember listening to October Rust, and I was like, "Wow, this is great!" But it, uh, oddly enough, I was uh, uh, if, uh, some metal website uh, posted the uh, their list of like the twenty best industrial bands, and Marilyn Manson was like number four or five. Okay, and I reposted it on Facebook, and people were just aghast that they would even be in the conversation. Which I, I don't think is that is that far fetched. To me, honestly, I don't think he's and he's another guy that I I have a lot of friends that know him, but I've never met him. Yeah, but uh, he I don't think he's put out a decent album, and you know, uh, I think the Golden Age of Grotesque was his last decent album. Since then, it's just been been awful.
1: Yeah, stuff like uh, heart shaped sunglasses or
2: something. Whatever that was. That song was okay. That album was terrible. Like that album had another song called "If I Was Your Vampire." Yeah. And you would think Marilyn Manson, "If I Was Your Vampire," that's a slam dunk. No, it was a terrible song. It was just awful. Um. But uh, you know, the first three albums, uh, um, Portrait of American Family, uh, uh, mechanic, um. Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals are great. Just, just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of chalk that up to success, you know, in a way that the later albums aren't as good. Because when you come out, you're hungry, you're angry, you know, you're ready to just get out there and rock. And then you get uh, the multi-million dollar paychecks, um, the house, the multiple cars. It's hard to be as mad anymore. You know, it's yeah. like I could go out there and pretend I'm angry, but oh, really, I'm not.
2: Well, yeah, I mean his his thing. I mean, he's his thing was so shocking for a while, and now you know, after a while, there's you can't shock anybody. You're you know, you're you're in your 40s. Nobody's nobody's shocked. I I actually took my niece and nephew to see. Uh, it was uh, Slayer and Marilyn Manson. They had a tour. And wow. about forty five minutes of Marilyn Manson. And he was doing all the shtick. He had a uh he had a microphone that had a, a knife blade on the end of it. He had a Bible that exploded. He was doing all the shtick. But after about forty five minutes they came up to me like, Yeah, we can go. They love Slayer, <laughs> they love Kill Switch Engage and, and I think Bullet for my Valentine played, but they Marilyn Manson's sorta of bored.
1: <laughs> really?
2: Yeah which is a shame. And, and and honestly, I've seen Marilyn Manson quite a few times and this was the worst I've ever seen. I mean, he was really going through the motions. Um, but I, I the the probably the best I ever saw him and I only got to see half the concert was uh and this will this will show my age a little bit, but uh he toured with uh, hole. Marilyn Manson and Hole. Okay. And I went to the Forum in LA and to to see that and it was great because like, you know, the forum is in is, is in Inglewoods in the middle of the hood. And the locals were really freaked out of that all these weird white people were <laughs> <in the> neighborhood. <laughs> and this one guy's like, Yo man, who's playing who's playing the forum? And like Marilyn Manson's like, Man, that Manson, that's the devil. And, <laughs> and, uh, that would have been a soundbite to get. Oh, it's so great. And then uh, and Hole was terrific. They I I I, I um I mean, Courtney Love seems like a mess, but her, the band was great. And then Marilyn Manson comes out, and they were they blew a hole away, which is not easy to do. Uh, but about twenty minutes in the concert, he Marilyn Manson jumped off a speaker and broke his leg and had to cancel the concert. He was like laying on the ground. And the band was still playing, and they carted him off, and they they canceled the concert.
1: That's awesome and shitty at the same time. You know, well, it's
2: like that was awesome seeing him
1: jump off that, but.
2: Yeah. And then they they rescheduled it for uh to do at the Universal Amphitheater like a couple months later when he healed. And I got like third row tickets to that. I was all excited and then they canceled that. And uh, the next time I saw him was a few years later at uh they played the the Wiltern Theater in LA and uh I'm not sure how but I got up right up in the front on that one, but uh, they had protesters at that. But it was like four protesters. This was like 2005 maybe. You it's can like, tell
1: when you're like uh in in the shock rock, as we'll call it, uh, era, that your act is getting a little stale and you get down from thousands of protesters to just four. They had four. And
2: <sighs> one of them was a homeless guy that just sort of joined. And one one guy one protester said uh, like his sign says God doesn't love you just the way you are. Uh which is weird. And I said, you know, you're you're not only disrespecting God, you're disrespecting the marriage. Billy Joel. I don't understand the sign, and uh, it was uh, it was weird. But uh, but the you know Marilyn Manson kind. Of, I mean, his first two albums were great, and I, I attribute to that to the Trent Reznor producing those. Uh, and then when he did Mechanical Animals, he had somebody else produce it, but he was trying to prove that he could do it without Trent Reznor, and that was a really good album. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened since.
1: Once again, I think it's the whole not either one getting commercial success and wanting to try to recapture that or to the getting too successful to be angry type
2: thing. Right.
1: That's my play on it.
2: And I think he's, he's trying like different things. Like he, he tried, you know, just to, I mean, his last album was kind of bluesy and, and not very good. So he's, he keeps trying different things and he, you know, he keeps having different guitar players and different band members. And, and oddly enough, it was, uh, uh, when the keyboard player Madonna Wayne Gacy left, uh, it, it, I, I didn't think he was—he had really that much to do with the sound, But it's sort of, uh, it sort of—it really hasn't been the same since.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess one more thing that it could be why the sounds changed is he's like trying to get out from under the typecast of what uh, he got famous for. You know, yeah. uh, trying to maybe reestablish himself so he can be more true to what he feels now.
2: Right. But, I, you know, it, it, he, um, you know, the, the band is, uh, you know, as far as as far as that type of music, uh, you know, I'll, you know, uh, that's coming from, you know, Ministry, Skinny Puppy and uh, bands like that, that kind of paved the way for the, the KMFDM that paved the way for, uh, you know, that type of. And I love that. I remember the first time I went to a goth club, I heard I, I never heard industrial music. And I remember distinctly, and I was in San Diego at the time, and I just went in by accident. I was, I, I, I think, and uh, once again, this will date me, but I think I was renting a video on a Friday night. Uh, I was at, <laughs> and next to the video store, they had a club. And I saw all these girls, these pasty white girls wearing tight leather going into this club. I mean, just, I'd never seen anything like that. Uh, and I, I, I was like, Oh well, screw the video. Let me see what's going on in here. And I walked in, and I remember they were playing industrial music, and people were dancing, and they had all these just beautiful, beautiful porcelain-skinned women, and I, and I, 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 just, I've never gone back. It was amazing. It was a, it was a, a oddly, it, it's, it seems silly, but it was a life-changing experience. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing, in San Diego. Yeah, was, without a tan in San Diego is very rare. And here in the, heroes in the club, and they were all there. And I remember they were playing, uh, came light was one of the songs they were playing. It was like, wow, this is like heavy, heavy metal, but you can dance to it. It's great. And, uh, so that, that's, uh, that's something that, uh, really got me on, on the, uh, and, and the, 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 sad part about it is I would walk in and I said, okay, how do I, how do I, uh, stand out in this crowd of guys? And I said, you know what? I refuse, I'll refuse to wear black. All these guys are wearing black. I'm just going to wear, I'm going to wear colors. I wear like bright blue shirts and like shorts and I'm like how come I'm not getting how come I'm not meeting any of these girls how come I'm I'm striking out with all these girls and I figured out okay I gotta wear black and I and I have my uh my own look now so I figured I figured it out but it took a while
1: so you weren't dressing like goth at the time um I know you said you decided to wear colors but were you like dressing in all black before not really before the club
2: no, just a, just a regular t shirt, shorts, uh, t shirt, jeans kind of guy. I wasn't really dressing in black. And, you know, now I'm looking in my closet. That's all I have. But uh, at the time, no. I, but it's good because I, it actually worked out because I'm colorblind and I'm overweight. So And black the, is slimming, right? That's what they say. And I don't have to worry about matching anymore because <laughs> black on black, that's all you need.
1: Right on, right on. So, um, as as we talked about your uh, Viva Goth Vegas, do you have any other uh, shows coming up or anything else you want to promote?
2: Uh just uh just uh, check out my website uh, gothcomedian.com and I'm always got stuff going on. I'm I'm you know, I'm based in Vegas right now and uh, so I'm always doing shows around here, Utah, Arizona, Los Angeles, so just uh you know, just, I, I always have the shows posted there, there's videos there, there's links to my YouTube page and my Facebook, my Twitter, and uh, my Instagram, I believe. And, uh, you know, not only uh, can you see the Viva Goth Vegas, which has, you know, gay rodeos and all sorts of things. Uh, actually, the, the thing about Viva Goth Vegas, the two videos that have the most viewers exponentially over every, any other video I've done were the two videos I did at the BBW Con.
1: BBW Con?
2: Yes, they had a convention for big, beautiful women porn stars.
1: All right, all right.
2: I say big, I mean big. These... <laughs> like my six hundred pound life, big or? Uh, they had a couple that were pretty big. Yeah, they had the woman with the with the largest breasts in the world, uh, Norma Stitz, one hundred six triple Z. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's a sight to behold, and. Uh, that it there was I mean there were some real and for I don't know I went to the AVN Awards. This has like ten times the viewers that I have at the Avian Awards, and I don't know what it is. They they people love the the BBWs. I guess but <laughs> you had yeah it's um and there were a couple of the BBWs where uh, they I went they were skinnier than the rest and I I pointed it out and they didn't want me to point that out. And I went up to these girls. I'm like, you know, if, uh, what's your favorite food? And some of them have very detailed answers. And, <laughs> and all sorts of I, This woman had me measure her. She was selling tape measures. And people would measure her ass and mark it off on the tape measure. And then she would sign it for $10. So I did that on camera. Her ass was bigger than a tape measure. The tape measure was 60 inches. There was still a couple edges left over so I I called it at 62. Wow,
1: that that is a big ass. That it's is a, a big ass.
2: Right. And she she's also in other other fetishes. I guess uh people uh like to watch her floss. That's another fetish. Dental fetish.
1: Not exactly my thing, but uh you know, if that gets you that that gets you going. It's nice. Good to, dental know. hygiene is always oh, nice.
2: Yeah. You know, it's nice that a woman doesn't have things in between her teeth, but I don't know if I want to watch it.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's, it as I said, it's not my thing. But
2: <laughs> um, well, and when I when I uh, also on my YouTube page you'll uh, see a, a lot of episodes of my podcast, the Dark Mark Show. And the reason they're on YouTube is because it was very visual. We had cameras in the studio, and I really took advantage of that. And there was a, there's a lot of fetishy things there too.
1: Okay, definitely uh, something people should check out. Then,
2: yeah, the, the the last show I did, which was in April, which was our third year anniversary, we had the heavy metal singer Otep Shamaya was on, and we set her hand on fire. I had my friend, uh, the Arabian MK, who was a fire performer, and he uh, he set her hand on fire, which was a lot of fun. Now she's now every every promotional thing she puts out, she has her hands on fire because so he, he taught her how to do it.
1: Wow, that. I I can't say that I've ever set anybody else on fire besides myself, but,
2: uh... yourself on fire? What's that? Have you set
1: yourself on fire? Oh, just with, uh, I don't know, I think it, I don't know if it's butane or whatever, whatever gas they put on your hand that burns cool, I've done that, like, once, that was pretty cool.
2: Right. Uh, But
1: I haven't been running down the street like Richard Pryor, you know, after he lit himself on fire with a crack pipe. Right. But...
2: You know, well, there can only be one Richard Pryor. That's true. <laughs> well, the show before we had my friend, uh, Orpheus Black, who's a, uh, who's a dom in LA and he, he does fireplay. He does, he actually has torches and, uh, he will run the torches up and down a woman's body. And, uh, he had his wife on the show and we also have Bobby Brown, the woman that was in the Warren video, Cherry Pine. And, okay. And, uh, she was a little freaked out cause he was, uh, he was doing that on his wife. It was our Valentine special. And he was doing that to his wife. And she was having loud orgasms. And I was trying to have a conversation with with Bobby Brown. That, that's the kind of stuff we did. We had, uh, we had a guy, Doc Shock, who uses electrical wands. And he he actually used the electrical wand on a clown. Really? Threw the clown that was on the show. We did all sorts of crazy stuff. We uh uh, we have Melrose, Mel Larry Green from the Howard Stern show. We choked him uh, with a bra, uh, and the uh, the number one we I, uh, on there. We have our uh, top ten of uh, 2014, 2015. This year, the top moment was when I wrestled Amazon Eve from American Horror, Horror Story, who is a uh, who's six foot eight. The Did World you Star- win? I'm sorry. Did you win? It was very competitive. Which is my way of saying no, I didn't. (laughs)
1: Participation ribbon.
2: No, I, I, for some reason, I ended up, uh, I end up uh, wrestling women a lot on the show, which, uh, which is, and and for some reason, it's just so funny. We had uh, my friend uh, Charlie Haynes, who used to be on The Gorgeous Ladies at Wrestling. And my co host at the time, Josie Cat, encouraged her to, uh, to squeeze my head between, in her, between her legs. And I got pretty red, and then uh, I had another uh, WWF uh, wrestler, Buggy Nova, and we leg wrestled, we arm wrestled, and Amazon E for some reason like because uh, uh, she she does that too. She I, I guess uh, guys pay her a lot of money to wrestle her, but uh, yeah, we she was dressed like she was painted like She Hulk too. That was that's the other thing that made it this oh partic- nice. yeah, we had uh, Sig Neutron who was on the show Face Off on Sci Fi Channel. Makeup artist. I think he's going to be on the next uh, season too. Okay. And his girlfriend, uh, 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 Rani Rodil, who is uh, a, a big cosplayer, and he, they collaborate on things. And she does, she does amazing stuff. She goes to comic book conventions dressed like Gary Oldman from Dracula, calls herself Gary Old Woman, and uh, she's also got another one, um, Popeye the Sailor Moon, where she's wearing a Sailor Moon costume, and she's beautiful and with a beautiful body, and she has a Popeye face. <laughs> so they.
1: I'm uh, trying to
2: picture that right now, but uh,
1: I might have to look that
2: up. Yeah, Popeye the Sailor Moon. So they painted uh, <laughs> Amazon Eve green, like She Hulk for the show, and then uh, we had wrestled before, and then we started talking trash, and then uh, all hell started breaking loose in the studio. We had a show where it got, the uh, engineer passed out because we had a couple stunt performers, Dangerous D and Houdini. 1692 and uh, they had a tug of war over broken glass one guy had uh, 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 one guy had uh, had clamps in his earlobes and the other guy had fish hooks in his eyelids and they went back and forth and they, the engineer literally, literally passed out
1: the engineer passed out. When you first said he passed out, I was like, "Did he get too drunk?" But then it's like he just passed out from shock
2: value. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he just. I. I. Because the show ended, and I'm like, "Well, where's the, where's the song?" Because usually, have a song at the end. And then there are two people in the booth, and one of them passed out, and the other one's like, "Oh, he passed out." <laughs> so, uh, that, that's that's when you know it's a good show.
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. So, um, Mark, um, what advice do you have for? comedians or that are looking to get started, whether it's in as a goth comedian or just as a
2: standard stand-up comedian. Well, as a goth comedian, uh, don't because, uh, that's already been taken, but, uh, as a, as a, you can do whatever you want, but as a comedian, I mean, honestly, as a comedian, my advice to people is to, is to be yourself, uh, and really, uh, take from your life experience. I can't tell you how many comedians I see that are doing the same jokes. Um, I mean, I, I, saw, I saw a guy the other day and, and after the show, I was like, you know, there were like three jokes. I'm like, I've heard them before. You know, you, everybody has to find their own voice. But to me, the, the comedians that I enjoy, that really resonate with me and the ones that I think really are the best are the ones that, that are personal, that talk about their lives and really make it comedic. And that's what I always try to do. Um, my advice, uh, my advice also would be, you know, after you've been doing it for a while, change it up. People ask me for my advice all the time. Yeah. If you're in a rut with your material, even no matter how well it's, it's doing my biggest piece of advice is go to a mic or go to a show and do completely all new. Don't rely on an old joke, completely all new. And you may bomb. You uh, at, at ten minutes, you may have one minute that's good. That one minute's going to stay with you, and it's worth it, because that's what I'll do every couple months. I'll just go up and nothing old, all new. That and, that's got to be kind of challenging. Well, that, that well, that's the challenge, and that's how you build material. Because I see people do the same jokes, the same jokes, the same jokes, and it's like, okay, it works, but. Um,
1: Eventually, the audience is going to get sick of hearing them, and they're going to get sick of telling them,
2: right? Exactly. Well, the comedian is going to be sick of telling them, and the, the audience is uh, – you're, you're absolutely right. The uh, They're going to tell that, you, that you're sick of your material. And if you start doing uh, new stuff, uh, it's going to freshen up your act.
1: Yeah. And,
2: and I've always said – and if you've been doing it more than a year or more than two years, what I always recommend, and this really helped me, is write a one-man show really try to try to get that hour down because I, I when I first started i, I uh, one of the guys I started with he had this he had this bit that was that did really, really well, yeah it was a white guy kind of doing a black voice. I mean, in retrospect it was kind of a hacky bit, but it worked everywhere we went, it worked, and he just kept doing that bit, and he would never he wouldn't build on anything and and you know if he would do have a show that was more than five minutes, that bit would work, but the rest of it would be nothing. Yeah. And he ended up, he never really built up any other material. And yeah, so there were times where I would do better than him or he would do better than me, but I was always changing my material and trying to write new stuff. And he eventually, like, I think he lasted maybe two years and, and, and got out. And I'm still doing
1: it. Well, there you go. A variety variety definitely helps keep it interesting. Um, when people come to your uh, show, uh, what do you want them to take away from a Dark Mark show? What do you want them to remember?
2: No, I, I, I really give a piece of my soul and a piece of my heart on stage. And I think, you know, I want them to hear my story. And if they if they get a part of my story, obviously it's uh, exaggerated for a comedic effect. But if they get my story and... They thought I was funny, and they really put uh, on. I, I, I do, you know, I do shows all the time. You know, I do goth festivals, I do horror festivals, but most of the shows I do, I go on stage with the makeup, and people don't know what to, what to think. But once, after my set, they really come to know the person, which is me, and what I'm striving for. I mean, my whole my whole set and my whole act and my whole artistic life is. As with a lot of people, is really a quest to find the love of my life, which I haven't found yet. Yeah, I think if that comes across, even in the jokes that I do, then you know I think that's uh, something that um, that that's what I want the audience to come come away with. I want I want the audience to to, to see to really empathize and really relate to this person that they otherwise would have thought. Was a weirdo? What is this? I don't get this. And uh, you know, it makes sense that I that I am wearing the makeup, that I am wearing the the odd clothes, and that's part of this. That's part of my uh, my quest. And it's really a lot clearer when I do my one man show because not everything is funny, and I do talk about things that uh, you know that are that are sad in the show at at some points. Uh, obviously, if you're doing a 10-minute spot at, at a club, you're not going to be able to convey that completely. But uh, yeah. jokes that I do, I think it, I think it comes across. Um, I did a show in Utah uh, last month where I headlined and, at a bar. And it, it was great. The guy came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, you just came on so strong. And after 15 minutes, I said, I, I thought this guy's going to run out a material and an hour later, you're still going. And, uh, you know, to me, that was a, that was a great compliment. Um, I, I, I just want, I mean, you know, ultimately I just want people, I want people to laugh, but I also want people to relate, empathize. I'm on stage by myself, pouring my heart out to you. And I want people to appreciate that.
1: So they want, you want them to see your honesty or take away that, you know, you put out, honesty to them like you're honest about your art
2: that's what i that's what i that's what i want people to take away i want people to to hear my story and and react to it find funny and find it uh you know um relatable i want people to see the see this weird guy with makeup on stage and uh that they may have been afraid of or may have thought was weird silly funny goofy and at the end of it say i know that guy Yeah, and and relate to that person, and you know, uh, we're all human beings, and we all have uh, the same same struggles, the same insecurities. And uh, I think that I can go up to to an audience of anybody. I can play to anybody: uh, an audience of senior citizens, uh, an audience of uh, you know, uh, any nationality, any sexual orientation, and tell my story. And they'll be able to relate to it.
1: Great. Yeah, that sound that. That's what I, that's what I'd like to hear as an answer. That's a that's a very good answer. I, you've all we've all seen the person whether it's comedian or musician that's out there doing something that they don't truly believe in. That's not completely honest with who they are, and you can tell. You right. know, so that's that's an awesome goal to have them to take away and. I, from what I've heard of your stand-up I can I can see that it's actually you coming through.
2: Right. There's enough. I mean, there's enough comics there. You know, doing the, uh, hey, why do you lose one sock in the laundry? There's enough of those guys. You know. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, you know. It's, it's, I just want my socks back. Right. I mean, it's uh, you know, and and there's nothing you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the comedians that really inspired me uh and, um and and i have i have four that i list everybody asks who's my favorite comic i have four that i list uh and and honestly in, in retrospect there's probably four of the uh most troubled and not very good individuals as a, as people but as comics to me were geniuses were uh were bill cosby yeah. was who human who is a sack of garbage but those, you know, I, those albums from the 70, '60s and '70s. Any other comic, I can see where they're coming from. I can see the technique because I've been doing it long enough. Yeah. I don't know how he's getting these laughs. His timing is so precise and so strange to me. I'm laughing. I don't know at pauses. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing it. And yeah, he has
1: like also a weird cadence in his speech too. Right, and so. people,
2: people parody parody it, but and it, it, the the ironic thing with him, you know, and this is by his own hands, no pun intended, killing his career is that he was starting to get respect again.
1: Yeah, there was,
2: people are like, "Bill Cosby's a set, you know he stinks," because you know he's older now and he's not his timing is you know his you know his timing was not what it was, but. He had that, that 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 special on Comedy Central a few years ago, which I yeah. thought was brilliant. And people were starting, to, you know, all these comedy podcasts. People were starting to say, you know, those his old albums were terrific. And then, you know, all the, all of his demons. I mean, he was the demon. Yeah. Taught, so he's just, you know, uh, Richard Pryor. I mean, nobody used imagery like Richard Pryor. I mean, he would just take anything and make it funny. And he would act out those things, you know. He would do, he would do comedy. He would talk about his heart attack from the point of view of his heart, which is amazing. But I mean, he was a drug addict and he was a womanizer and he uh, a life abuser, I believe. I mean, he was an awful human being. But what a comic!
1: Yeah, we referred to him uh, when we we're talking about lighting people on fire. I referred to him earlier. One of my favorite jokes of his was after he lit himself on fire. Uh, he had a lighter and like went like, "Hey, what's this?" as he moved it across his body, and then he's like, "It's Richard Pryor running down the street," you know, right. kind of making fun of
2: himself. Right. Yeah. The thing is with Richard Pryor, I, I it took me a long time to to really appreciate him because I would see the same, I believe, uh, Richard Pryor uh, live in concert. I would see that over and over again, and that's good, but to me. What was really great is they, they reissued like his, his older albums on Laugh Records a few years ago, like yes. Crafts, and like the stuff that he was doing, uh, not in a big audience, but in intimate, real small clubs. There's one that they released, Black Ben the Blacksmith, and he does this 10-minute bit about, it's it's set in a prison, and these people yeah. are going to play in a prison, as these actors come into the prison to do the play. And he does every voice. He does women. He does men. He does white guys. He does black guys. <laughs> amazing. Ten minutes of some of the most amazing comedy. I can't imagine, and and I can't imagine watching it. But when you hear it on record, it sounds like all the voices sound completely different. Really, it's genius. Uh, Sam Kinison to me was amazing. Another guy, just drug addict, just uh, you know, just. You know, I, I I know friends of his or people that that hung out with him, and the stories I hear are just just amazing. I mean, just the debauchery and just I mean, there's a guy that, it, as you were saying about Marilyn Manson, there's a guy that was a genius and then just really lived it up. And and towards the end, he wasn't that funny, but when he first came out, that aggression, that scream, you know, it's it was just amazing. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, he really needs a good, a better post mortem agent because a lot of people forgot about him. Bill Hicks and Rich Hedberg are more popular now than when they were alive. Yeah. Sam is less popular now than when he was alive, which is really strange to me. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Uh, a lot of people, if you you know, a lot of people that uh, you know would think that Bill Hicks was way bigger than Sam Kennison, and he wasn't. I was, on a, I was on a podcast where they're talking about uh, Dennis Leary stole Bill Hicks' act because he wanted to be as big as Bill Hicks and I, I had to tell him Dennis Leary was way bigger than Bill Hicks. A lot of huh. people don't remember. I mean, a lot of people weren't there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bill Hicks is more popular after he died than he when he was alive. And Dennis Leary did steal his material, but Dennis Leary took his material and he was on MTV. He had a big movie career. He was one of the biggest stand-ups ever. And the other guy that I love was Rodney Dangerfield, who was a cokehead and, and just a a crazy guy himself. But nobody, to me, tells a joke better than that. Just a one-liner joke.
1: Yeah, he's uh, a one-line genius along with uh, Don Rickles. Don Rickles is
2: more of a I I Honestly, Don Rickles doesn't have a lot of jokes. No, he's just an insult comic, pretty much. He's an insult way. comic. He just goes and insults people, and, and he's brilliant at it. I saw Don Rickles like five years ago, and... Live and you know, he's he was in his 80s then and he's hunched over, but it, it was amazing. He actually called me out in the audience because we got in the front row,
1: yeah.
2: And he goes up to me, He's like, Hey, what are you, a Jew? I'm like, No, he's like, well, What are you? And I'm like, uh, It's it's complicated because I'm I'm mixed, I'm part Scottish, part Italian, part British, part German. It's like, What are you? I'm like, Uh, it's complicated. He's like what are you, Mexican? What are you? You're holding up the show. I'm like, well, I'm Italian. He's like, oh, Italian. He starts shooting off a machine gun, talking about spaghetti. (laughs) But but brilliant. I mean, the energy that he had in his 80s was was amazing.
1: That's awesome.
2: That's awesome. But but it's a weird show because he starts singing after a while, too. Really? I didn't know he sang. I didn't know either. (laughs) 20 minutes of just just insulting the audience, the most vile stuff you've ever heard. Like I, I don't. A young comic, couldn't, I don't think, could get away with that. I mean, a comic today, if it yeah. was Rickles, nobody else could get away with it. But people like, well, that's what he does.
1: Exactly. Twitter won't ignite with hate messages about it, and it's like that's Don Rickles.
2: Don Rickles. That's what you. That's what you paid for. Yes. He started singing, singing Yankee Doodle Dandy and other things. It was weird. It was a weird show all right i
1: was gonna ask so what were his uh songs like but yankee doodle dandy kind of answers that what uh what do you personally do mark to promote yourself
2: well i guess i this is this is something that i really need to do better with and if you have any suggestions please but uh you know i do a lot of uh you know a lot of online promotion i mean i just uh you know Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram just just trying to promote myself and uh, just trying to really uh, trying to get uh, do it online and um, I also try to uh, you know send out press releases and things like that uh, nice. you know, I was the LA co- LA Times comedy pick of the week nine times just because I would kept sending it out there I've been in LA Weekly theater pick of the week and comedy pick of the week a couple times and just just trying to send it out there uh, I, I'm here in Vegas. I'm trying to get a show going myself here at one of these casinos. And, yeah. just, you know, um, once, that, once once that happens, then, uh, you know, I'll have to really um, get the brokers, the valets, and really uh, try to promote through them. Because that's really what's going to make or break a show is uh, people are going to come to town. They're like, well, we want to see a show. How do you uh, – what show do you uh, do you recommend? And they're the ones that will tell you. Yeah. But I'm also doing the YouTube stuff and, you know, I had the podcast for a while. And I'm just trying to get on every podcast and, uh, and you know, and, and just out there, as, you know, as much as I can.
1: Yeah, one thing that I've started doing social media wise is uh, when people like my post or uh, comment on it. I don't get to everybody, but I try to, like, message people who like or comment and actually thank them for taking the time to... Like my posts, and it's
2: actually been helping a decent amount. It's good. I I'm really hitting a um, a roadblock with Facebook, because, a uh, you know, a lot of my posts are just hitting just hitting dead air. Nobody's seeing them. Yeah. So uh, I'm with the algorithms and things, and I you know I've tried different things, and I uh, actually my my the co-host of my podcast, uh, my last podcast, Nicole Six. I mean, she's been kind of helpful with that. Like when you put links on Facebook, yeah, uh, links to websites, for some reason that doesn't come through. Uh, not, not as many people see them as they do when you put the link in the comment section. And not, really? Yeah, I I, I did not know that. It's so weird, yeah, and uh, it's just it's frustrating because the the original stuff I post, you know, here's here's shows I'm putting on. Here's my 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 uh, my podcast or my vlog—it's uh, hitting a lot of dead air. However, when I repost a stupid meme, everybody sees it and, and loves it. It's 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 frustrating. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm I'm trying. You know, I've got my website and uh, just trying to just trying to get get it out there. Trying to get my my stand up mm-hmm. up on a- every platform I can get. You know, I've I've got my stuff on a- on various comedy websites mm-hmm. and. You know, also promoting within the within the goth community, you know. they uh, If I'm doing something in a, in, in a specific town or I'm doing something here locally, you know, not only do I hit up the comedy community, but I hit up the goth community and the fetish community as well.
1: Okay, yeah, it sounds like you got at least some sort of a plan in progress. You know, you said you needed some help with it, but it sounds like, you know, you got uh, a good plan behind you.
2: I hope so I mean it's uh, you know it ebbs and flows I mean there's some days there's some times where just everything clicks and uh, everything's good and then you know sometimes you're you're kind of struggling to, to get people to know you I think when people see me and really uh, check out my act and uh, they like it but it's just getting it out there actually DMC from around DMC when I interviewed him uh, at the LA Comic uh, Comic Con he said uh I tried to use his lyrics in a funny way, but I said, is it tricky to, because he, he's got a comic book out. I so says, is it tricky to write a comic book? And he's like, uh, it's kind of tricky. And I'm like, is it trickier to rock a rhyme or rock a comic book? <laughs> and he, t- what he said was, was actually, I definitely could relate to it. He said, it's tricky to do both. It's tricky. Oh, it's tricky. It's easy to be an artist. It's easy to create. It's tricky to get it out to the world and to get people to notice it.
1: Very true statement. All right, great. I got one more question for you, Mark, before uh, let you go. Um, it's kind of the title question of the show. Dark Mark, how do you live uncontained?
2: How do I live? How do I live uncontained? Uh, it, I've really lived uncontained, uh, especially the last year and a half, I, uh, I was working a job as, as well as doing comedy, uh, and it, it, interesting story. I was living in LA and I had been living in LA for over 10 years at the same place, had the same job, it was a good job, good paying job. And, uh, where I was living was a guest house in the side of a million dollar house. It was a sweet little setup. And then, uh, some things happened. I want to get into it, but I got a 60 day notice that I had to leave and so I was thinking, well, I can get another uh, another place to live, keep the same job, but in five years, I'm probably going to be in the same situation. Yeah. So what I did was, and I had money <laughs> saved, I basically, I went through, te- went through, uh, I packed up everything I could in a in, in a car, threw away everything else, and moved to New Orleans, because I always love New Orleans. It's a great town.
1: It is a fun Very- town.
2: Very creepy very gothy very spooky it's like a walking history lesson because everything's so old and and just you know it's j- just a party place unfortunately not a lot of comedy down there there's no comedy clubs period they have comedy shows but they don't have any comedy clubs and I thought I could get some some stuff going on in the south I was you know did, did some shows in Texas Florida and I was trying to Trying to work out where I could where I could live there, and I saw all these people in Vegas, all my comedy friends getting a lot of great stuff, and I said, you know what? Let me. And I have got friends and family here in Vegas, so I went to Vegas. So the last couple of years, I've really lived uncontained. I've just uh, I've done what a lot of people wish they could do and can't do, and just hop from place to place and just um, doing comedy, making people laugh.
1: Yeah, and that takes that takes some guts quitting a job just to like you know to dive full in into stand up comedy, and yeah. it's impressive. Congratulations on quitting that job. Well, yeah, I mean it's uh, and making it to where you are now. Yeah,
2: well, I mean this is this is what I, I and you know it's a cliche. I know a lot of people say this, but truly this is what I was born to do was to make people laugh. I didn't anticipate that I'd be on stage in makeup and uh, <laughs> black and and making people uh, be depressed while they are laughing. But when I was in seventh grade at, ta- at a talent show, I did stand up comedy, and uh, while everybody else was doing lip syncing or or doing dance routines or or whatever, I was I was I did stand I stand stood on stage in front of my peers in seventh grade in junior high and tell jokes. And got big laughs
1: that's awesome, that's awesome. Se- going all the way back to seventh grade, yeah,
2: and I wish i I wish I remember those jokes because uh, I there's a couple nights I could use those seventh grade jokes because it sounds like they were really good. I just remember the, <laughs> I just remember the the, the last I remember my sister who was uh, who was a great um, she was in eighth grade at the time she was sitting next to a a teacher who was pregnant at the time. And she was laughing so hard her belly was just bouncing up and down and up and down <laughs> and that that so it's uh, uh comedy's really trendy now I mean comedy really is is the new indie rock uh, uh people that would have formed punk bands and indie rock bands are now doing comedy. everybody's doing comedy but uh uh you know this is this is my passion this is this is my life and this is uh, something that uh you know do or die.
1: Great, yes, I. That's awesome, dude.
2: Um, before we go,
1: I have well, no, let me try that again. Before we go, uh, want to let people know where they can get a hold of you. Where can they contact Dark Mark at?
2: Absolutely, just go to www.gothcomedian.com. Uh, I, I you know, I said there were a few other goth comedians. I have the URL on everything. If you look up Goth Comedian, you're going to get me.
1: Okay. At
2: goth Comedian.com, Goth Comedian on Twitter, Goth Comedian on Facebook, Goth Comedian on Instagram, Goth Comedian on Snapchat, although I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> and uh, so just Goth Comedian on everything. If you go to my website, you can email me through there uh, or contact me through Twitter or Facebook. That's how uh, we met on Facebook.
1: Yes, Facebook. And uh I will put all of those in the show notes for you. I'll actually go on your website, get your social media. But so your so your website is the hub for all your social media you can find any way to get a hold of you that you have out there there. Correct? That's correct. All right, great. Mark, thank you for coming on Uncontained. Uh one final thing for you to do. Will you do me the favor of uh, signing off the show today? Sure. I'm Dark
2: Mark, the goth comedian. And I live life uncontained. (laughs)
0: Thanks again to Dark Mark for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take the time to stop by iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Rate, review, subscribe, and share the show with a friend. Send your friend a, a private message on Facebook or, you know, just tell somebody the old-fashioned way, face-to-face. Be like, hey, dude, I heard this podcast. You should check it out. Talk to some this goth comedian, and it was a pretty badass show. And you can always get in touch with me through my uncontained Facebook page. Just send me a message, and I'll get back to you. Please let me know what you think about the show. And if there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, just let me know. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.